Welcome back to the Lion's Lair. My name is Noah Reif. I am joined today by John Sauber, Penn State beat reporter for football and basketball. John, what are you doing? How are you doing? What's going on? Uh, I am doing well. Uh, we are on week two of my new puppy, and he is lovely. The most the most adorable puppy ever. I, I'm not proud of... I always made fun of people who like showing p- pictures of their dog all the time, and I'm I'm constantly fighting the impulse to just like go up to people and be like, "Do you want to do you want to see a picture of my puppy? Do I you want to see a video of him trying to get on the couch? Do you want to watch him maybe like try to eat this treat, but he can't quite get? Yeah, it's like it's constant. It's a constant internal struggle for me. I do have the outlet as I send them all to my mom. That's and, perfect. And yes, adores the dog. It's it saves everybody else. It saves me. I get to feed the impulse and. She gets to see the dog. So. When is the puppy Instagram account dropping? Uh, never. Not in, That is one thing. Not in a million years. You will never hear me call him my fur baby. And you will never hear of an Instagram account for that dog. I love him to death. He does not need social media. He is a dog, not a human. Well, on that note, let's talk about your other fur baby, men's basketball. <laughs> Well, that's a ten. I don't know. I, that's that's. Listen, I'm the king of bad transitions, oh, yeah, but at this was, point, that's top notch. No, though. let's let's you know let's talk about men's basketball. Uh, worse than my transition probably was that loss to Maryland. Yeah. Um. Just just let's kick it off with that. I mean, what what happened? Well, a lot, and a lot didn't too, right? And that's sort of. And I I feel like uh you know, I'm, I'm on repeat every week talking about how they don't have enough ball handling in this offense, right? But, like, man, you turn the ball over 13 times, and a lot of them were inexcusable too, right? Like, they, these were not turnovers where Maryland's applying so much pressure, there's nothing you can do. They're just dumb mistakes, dumb passes. There were two entry passes from the right wing in the second half to John Hera, where Hera, like, you could see the, the reaction in his face. As soon as the pass was thrown, I was like, oh, no. Like, he had to go try and get the ball because he couldn't. It was basically thrown at his face, and when a ball's coming straight at you and there's a defender between you and the ball, the defender has to lift his hands and he's picking off that pass and they're going the other direction, which is what happened in both of those. Um, yeah, they, they just don't have enough ball handling. Uh, Maryland exposed that. Eric Ayala got really hot from deep, made three of his six threes in the second half, which was really helpful for uh, the Terps, obviously. But at the end of the day, it was you know an inability to, to run offense that uh, – you could reliably run and know you weren't going to give Maryland the ball right right away, right? Like, they had issues all game with it. They had issues, I mean, basically in every single one of their losses this year, right? Like, that's the common theme. They're turning the ball over, they're missing shots. And I know that seems very basic, but that is what's happening. Um, And Fats Russell really killed them last night. Uh, Really good at getting the lane and finishing. Made a ton of free throws down the stretch, too, which, which ended up sealing the deal. But, you know, they, Penn State has, they have some aspects of their game where things have th- – th- it should give fans hope that Micah Shrewsbury is as good of a talent developer as he is a coach, right, and a teacher. Uh, I, I think no bigger transformation than – than and maybe this is a broader conversation that we need to have about him than John Hara. He was just an energy guy, right? Like fought for rebounds, you know, would, would get putbacks and all that. They run offense through John Hara. They have him set screens on the perimeter – run dribble handoffs, have him, have him set ball screens, you know, have guys uh, sort of give him the ball and let him operate. He makes the decision the decision who gets the ball screen, who gets the dribble handoff, uh, and, and he's become a better passer for it, right? Like he's he, – no, no one's going to confuse him with Nikola Jokic or anything like that, but he can make the simple passes at, from the perimeter, from the high post. 
Um, he knows when to get guys in short rules. He knows his ball handlers that he wants to get the ball to and where they sort of can get their creases. Uh, he knows when he wants to set sort of an opposite side screen and free a guy up a little more. He's, uh, I mean, man, the the transformation that kid has made from, like I said, just energy big to start the season to like, I don't want to call him a conductor of the offense because like he still can't dribble, right? But like sort of the stationary conductor that, that what Al Horford has done for a long time in the NBA, uh, that is that is kind of what he's evolved into, again, on a much, much lower level than someone like Al Horford. But like uh, that is sort of the role that he's taken in Micah Shrewsbury's offense. And I think that is a really good sign Yes, Hera is gone after this year, but there will be other guys that come through. There will be other guys that come through with better passing chops, and they will be even better than Hera is currently in. You know, the loss is what it is last night. Penn State had a real chance to run off a five-game winning streak here, and there it's it's tough to, to look past that right now. Instead, they're looking at 4-1 and one as the best bet, but there's still positives, um, and, you know, they still have a chance at the NIT. Got to make noise in the, the Big Ten tournament, but... This is a better team than it was at the beginning of the year. Uh, it is a better team than it is on paper, and I think both of those are really positive signs, regardless of what happened last night in that game. And I think what you say all the time was true again here. It is very hard to win on the road in the Big Ten. Yes, yes, it is. Well, and that's the thing. Like Maryland's been a mess for most of this year, right? And like on the road, it's three hours away, but it's still on the road. And like, I don't know, I. Penn State's not a top-of-the-conference team. Those are the teams that usually pull off those upsets, um, and, and they couldn't. And I don't think there's a lot of reason to believe that they will against Illinois or that they will against Rutgers in their last two games of the season. So, you know, if they close it out 2-2 two and two here, that's that's an acceptable outcome. Uh, I think they'd be 8-12 and 12 in the conference at that point, which is, a, again, an acceptable outcome considering the, the roster was a mess prior to Micah Shrewsbury getting there and even the weeks after he came in. But, yeah, they, like – you're just not going to win that many games on the road, and you're definitely not going to win them when you can't hang on to the ball. Honestly, the fact that it was that close is a testament to the team's defense, which struggled a little bit early but settled in. And then Eric Ayala started making those shots, and it's like, well, this sucks. You know, like that's how that's all Penn State can do is like just sort of shrug their shoulders and move on when he starts making some of the shots that he did. But the turnovers are preventable, and they're always preventable. But I don't know if they're as preventable on this roster because of the talent at, at Shrewsbury's disposal. Yeah, we talk about the talent a lot and how – this is it the roster is what it is. This is year one. This is the start. Sometimes you know, games like this that are winnable or should win with the roster talent that you have, that's just gonna happen, especially in the, the big time. The bottom falls out, and suddenly yeah. you see the, the worst of the talent rather than the best of it. Right. And you know, you come off of a hot streak, having two incredible games, probably seeing the peak of these, you know, of the, the ceiling, not the peak, but like yeah. the perceived right. ceiling that, of this team. That's that's an excellent point because that Michigan State game, probably the second best game they've played all year, and they followed it with the best game they've played all year. Yeah. Those two games at home were like they were riding high, and it's a veteran team that usually doesn't sort of uh, fall for its own success, I guess the best way to put that. But like I don't, I don't want to say that they did that Monday night, but you could tell that they weren't the same team that they were in the previous two games. Yeah, and that was, I, I think I had mentioned that that, rescheduled Minnesota game I mean they that bench was electric like they were excited that was the mo- that was the most excited I've ever seen them you know they're they usually were very, very game. yeah they were they're usually very poised and like on except the bench. for Mike Farrelly uh, now, Mike who, Farrelly is sprinting is, across the is, court yes who's basically playing defense most of the time yeah he's I I rem- was taking a photo pregame of um Jalen Pickett and he just ju- he just jumped in behind the photo and Totally 
gave her the peace sign. Like he just his energy is insane. The, the man's got a lot of energy. We, I, I love to see it. Yeah, I, listen, I respect people with a lot of energy because. I don't got it. I don't either. No, <laughs> this podcast is enough for me. You this, know? Yeah, this is a lethargic group here. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's move on to some of these upcoming games that you kind of alluded to. We have Northwestern and Nebraska. What do we got going on? Well, Friday night senior night. Uh, yeah. And I think that is, you know, for, for all of their struggles this year, like that is an important game for them to win because on some level, and it's not going to, you know, it doesn't get an extra win, right? You don't get two wins for winning on senior. You don't, none of that happens. But I think it's important that John Hara gets celebrated uh, in the proper way, right? Given what he's contributed to this program and what he's meant to the team. To be fair, he did he did last year as well. Yes, he got his jersey last year. Yes, yeah, yes, yes. But I think he he is more than anyone on this roster the the steward uh, that takes Penn State basketball from the last era to the next one, right? Like for all the other guys coming back, Miles Dredd, Sam Sessoms, Sessoms hasn't been here as long. Uh, you know, guys like Dredd and even Pickett can come back for another year next year, uh, Seth Lundy and all them. Hera is Penn State's basketball culture. And Shrewsbury talks about it all the time, that he's going to be the one who's on the clips that they show like five years down the road, ten years down the road, and say, if this guy can do it, why can't you? You know, uh, and I wrote a story in, I want to say October, about how he was sort of the pillar, right, to this to this culture and how they were going to build it. And it's sort of come to fruition in that way, that he is that pillar. Right, that uh, him and Shrewsbury will be, you know, uh, synonymous with each other when it comes to like the early part of Shrewsbury's head coaching career at Penn State. Uh, not really just at Penn State in general, right? Like he is, he's his first guy that has established that culture uh, for him. And Hera is, he's not a special talent, <laughs> like to be blunt, like he's not um, the most skilled player on the planet. But he's gotten a lot better every year, and he gets it. He's gotten a lot better when the coaching got better too. Like I said, the the ability to operate their offense the way they do with him out of the high post and him from the perimeter, it's not easy for a big to do that. It's really not easy to do in college. It's especially not easy to do when you've never done it before, right? Like he's just been a bulldozing big his whole career. And you're seeing adaptation. You're seeing development. And, you know, Shrewsbury's helped him, but he's helped Shrewsbury, and he's helped the program in a big way. And I think a lot of those guys are going to want to get him a win to sort of send out, send him out on senior night, even though they have a bunch of games left, even though that they have another home game Sunday night. Like, there's something symbolic about that, and I think, frankly, they should win both of these games. They're better than both teams, and they're both at home. Uh, they beat Northwestern on the road earlier in the year, but yeah, I think, you know, that's gonna be, that's gonna be sort of the thing people should have their eyes on, right? Like, sort of take it in because there are. I don't. I don't like to do the like the this guy's the culture thing, right? Like I don't. I think that a lot of that is smoke and mirrors. I don't think a lot of it is is as real as you want it to be. But when you when you can sort of view the program from up close, like I've been able to for the last few years, like you can really see that like there's a lot of truth to it with John Heron. And I think that's what makes that special uh, because it's not true even sometimes when people try to say it's true, right? Like you've seen like, oh, this guy's the culture, this guy's what we do. But you know beyond, behind the scenes, like he's probably not the one driving all of it. Like there are other guys driving all of it. That guy's Well, there's just, factions or there's different splits. You yeah, know? and that's less true in basketball because the roster's so small, but right. it's still true to some extent. And like he is like this unifying force, right, that, that has helped Shrewsbury build this, you know, first-year roster, first-year team into what it is. And uh, like I said, I don't want to come off as the guy that's like, you know, he meant so much, but he like, it's, it's, it's a weird thing for me to sort of talk about, because like I said, I, I don't general genuinely believe in that happening most of the time, but for him, it's so clear and so obvious that it is the truth. And it is the case that he is 
carrying all that, that Penn State fans should enjoy him while he's at Penn State because there aren't going to be John Harris that come around probably ever again. Uh, and especially not in a time of transition, like they so desperately needed him this time. And when he stayed and like <laughs> little inside base, like, I don't know. Yes. He went in the portal. Do I think he considered leaving? Yes. Do I think he was ever really leaving? Probably not. Right. Like at the end of the day, Penn state was always going to lure him back and he loves the place and he loves the people and he loves everything about it. And you don't usually get that level of buy-in one. And uh, they love him back. Like, yeah. It's very clear. Yeah. And it's, and it's, it's cool to see from the outside too. You know what I mean? Sort of sometimes the player gives and doesn't receive. Sometimes the fan gives and doesn't receive. It's clearly mutual. I remember prior to the first game this year, I might've told this story on the podcast before. Like I was sitting, I was sitting down by the court before the game. I want to say against Youngstown State. It's been a while. It's been a few months. These last few months have been a long year to be blunt to take a, a page out of Manny Diaz's book. But he he walks in and he's like he says something along the lines of like there's nothing like the fresh smell of the BJC and I was just like this dude loves this place so much like he he loves that place more than anyone ever has it's crazy and let me tell you the BJC does yeah. not smell good I don't I don't I spend know. a lot of time yeah, there it smells like it does have a smell yeah it well, definitely sure. smells like you know old crab fries and yeah delicious crab fries yeah though. no doubt about that yeah uh, but yeah no he like he he clearly loves Penn State so I think it'll be. Um, you'll probably see something from me about about his game and everything on Saturday. And who knows, maybe something even deeper in the future. So be on the lookout for that, uh, you know, about Hera and what he's meant to this program. But, man, like, it would be – I think it would mean a lot to him to close out his career with two wins. And I think his teammates are going to try to get there, right? Like, I think they're going to – I mean, not that they don't try hard every time. This is the other part that I usually don't believe in, like, oh, they're suddenly playing harder because they want him to win. But I do think there's some – you know, there might be a little bit extra energy. You know, they not may not be, like – trying to like playing better because focus. of him. Yeah. It's a, it's a different level of focus, um, you know, that, that they could reach in both of those games to sort of send him off. Right. And you know, the other guys leaving to Greg Lee, who we don't know if he's coming back soon. Um, although Michael Shrewsbury said before, he doesn't expect it to be season ending. Jaheim Corn Cornwall's out of eligibility. Jelani White's out of eligibility, uh, and I believe that's it. Everyone else has the option to come back, but you never know who's actually going to come back. Right? right. Like that is, that's always part of it. There are always discussions. The transfer portal has changed things. You know, yeah. guys can leave at a moment's notice, even if it th- seems like everything's going well. Um, but I would expect, you know, some of the key contributors back next year. But, you know, even even if guys aren't key contributors, you always sort of want to send them off well when they've given a lot to the program. And Hera is like the, the shining star of that example. As far as on the court, like, <laughs> they should just beat these two teams. <laughs> like, Nebraska is a mess. Uh Fred Hoiberg is I maybe I'm wrong for this, but I still believe he's a good coach. I mean, he's really really good at Iowa State for a while. Thought he was fine with Chicago too when he was in the NBA, but like total disaster in Nebraska. Like they should beat them by twenty. Uh, if they don't, I think that it would, that would be disappointing on some level, or at least double digits. Uh, Northwestern Boo Boo he's the guy you got to watch out for there. Primary ball handler will shoot from anywhere, can shoot from anywhere. Of course, brother of Taylor Battle, former Penn State all time great, uh, who I grew up watching. Um, and, and so I think Boo sort of takes after him in that he will shoot from anywhere, you know, and he's good at it. And he's, uh, you know, he's been a lot of fun to watch. And, you know, I, I'm sure there will be, uh, it'll be interesting to watch Taylor Battle back in the arena for the first time since he got hired as Northwestern's assistant coach this past offseason. Yeah, that's that's something that I'm personally looking forward to seeing the uh, the reaction of, of him being back. And, you know, because well, he, he worked coaches. on the staff, too. Obviously, yeah, he like he, even this staff, he worked with them. I want to say it was for like a month before. I, like, I remember that because he was the assistant to the head coach. 
and then uh, Northwestern offered him the job. Right. Um, and and obviously he left because it's an it's, it's an a way better position. Yeah. yeah. So you know it's how you become a head coach is by being an assistant. So got a better opportunity. But there was, as far as I know, there was no bad blood. Every like everyone was on board with the decision. Thought it was best for him. You know, they they were they were not trying to like they weren't mad he left. He wasn't mad at them that he yeah. wasn't an on court. Like it all went down well from what I've heard. So. I mean, contrary you know, to contrary to popular belief and maybe a swat and a punch that happened this past weekend, most coaches, you know, most people in the coaching sphere, you know, they they tend to want the best for each other. Yeah, uh, there are certain people that, and I I think people would be surprised to not maybe you wouldn't be surprised to see what side of the argument I fall on in this, but I think <laughs> I think some people egg other people on and aren't yeah. well liked. Um, you know, some of those guys coach, I don't know, in Wisconsin. But anyways, uh, <laughs> let's move on to something else. Uh, well, you know, the, the we sort can of move on. Yeah, we, we, we need can, to move on. Let's, yeah. <laughs> anyway, before we get in more trouble, um, briefly, I know you touched on potentially NIT, maybe who knows. But what is the outlook for this team? Um, I know that, you know, last four games of the season coming up. Then you have the Big Ten tournament, which literally who knows? You can't predict that at all because you could have a run. It's so much fun. You could have a not run. It's We could we could see chalk. We could see one, two. We could see three, nine. You know, yeah. there's there's a lot of options. Actually, I don't know if you could see three, nine. No, you can. I was trying to do the math in my head on who they would have to play. Yeah. yeah. Three, nine could face each other in the final. But yeah, um, Penn State's outlook is, I think, the same for a lot of mid-tier teams or mid-to-bottom-tier teams. I wouldn't be surprised if they're playing Saturday. I'd be surprised if they're playing Sunday, but I wouldn't be surprised if they're playing Saturday. You know, wouldn't be surprised if they're done playing Wednesday. Like there's, there's a wide range here. More importantly, I think is the outlook of how this looks next season. Right. And I think to piggyback what I said, piggyback off what I said about Hera, Keba Jai, one of the bigs coming in next year is a pretty good passer, especially for, you know, a high school senior, like someone that is uh, not, sort of primarily uh, playing that way. And I will be very curious to see how much he can contribute next year because I think there's a strong chance he's doing a lot of the actions that that Hera is, right? Like he's he's helping guys get into DHOs. He's helping guys get into ball screens. He's setting a ton of screens. He Now, Penn State generally has their guys roll to the rim. Hera sometimes short rolls, but, you know, sometimes he, he hard rolls to the rim. Jai should be better at, at hard rolling to the rim, catching lobs, finishing – uh, which I think is going to be really interesting to see because they need bigs next year because John Harris leaving and Jelani White's leaving and like you're sort of barren there and it's just going to be Jai and, and Demetrius Lilly who are both true freshmen and you know maybe go on the transfer portal and pick up someone there and we can talk about that later when the season ends sort of their options there but you know they're they need someone to step up whether it's a transfer or whether it's Jai or, or whether it's, it's someone else you know and I think he he's he's thin like he's got to add weight for sure I don't think it's crazy that he could play. Maybe not like a crazy significant role next year, but a role next year. You know, and you could have him, you know, playing uh, playing a lot of those same actions, playing at the elbow, setting off-ball screens to free guys up, like pairing well with, you know, Pickett and Sessoms if they come back. Uh, pairing well with with Jameel Brown, who, who's coming in as a true freshman and like is an excellent shooter, and they're going to they're gonna use him a ton in the pick and roll next year. Like he is – that's a third ball handler. Evan Mahaffey can handle the ball. That's a fourth ball handler, right? Like suddenly you have a depth to this offense that you don't have right now. And and I think there's a chance that like next year is really like you, you would think because they're losing Greg Lee and John Hare, like that it's a rebuilding year. 
I think there's a chance they take a pretty good sized step forward. Like they, they will have the talent at their disposal to do the things that they want to do. Micah Shrewsbury talked about at his press conference about like sort of like the how the, the question was asked about by Ben Jones at statecollege.com about sort of how much how deep you can go into the playbook, right? Like and, and how much you can do as opposed to how much you want to do. And I think, you know, I don't know if it's about depth of playbook as much as it's about like options to do those things, right? So maybe maybe on, on some level you're not able to run those those things on the second side, right? Like you can't run a weak side ball screen action because uh, like if the defense collapses because you just don't have a second ball handler over there, or you just don't have a second big who can do those kind of things. And that might be an issue again this year, but you know, maybe you're just able to do the same things, but at a deeper level and you're able to do them more and you're able to find better mismatches, I think is the bigger thing, right? Like Jalen Pickett getting a mismatch is helpful because he can get in the lane and finish. What's more helpful is having multiple guys who can do that and multiple guys who can penetrate and find their teammates. Do you think getting younger is going to help this team as well? Because you're bringing in a, a lot of five, young guys. Five. five I mean, guys. that's 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 a basically a full team on the court. Yeah, that is a big class. Um, I think this team could use some athleticism, right? Uh, I mean, Micah Shrewsbury would agree with you there. <laughs> yeah, I, I think he would too. Uh, Kanye Clary helps that really fast. Good at good at. And by the way, another ball handler, Kanye Clary, a guy who can penetrate and get to the rim and kick it out. Um, Got to work on a shot a little bit, but I don't know that that's going to be a major, major issue um, down the line. Once Especially as we've seen, you know, Shrewsbury and the team develop. Yeah, and, and guys aren't, like, becoming knockdown shooters, but you, when you give a guy confidence, it helps, right? Like, when you – and it, I don't know that I've ever seen him yell at a player for a shot they take, and I think that's the right way to do it, right? Because it's not like they're trying to miss that shot. Sometimes guys take dumb shots, but it's not like they're trying to miss, right? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's a weird – it's it's so there's so much variance in shooting that it's like, wow – you got a shot, you took it, whatever, as long as you play hard on defense, fine. I've seen, I mean, I've seen him encourage and cheer on players for taking a shot, even if it was, like, I'm sitting there like, why is he taking this yeah. shot? But Shrews is like, no, you're making the right decision instead of running the shot clock out or right. just or, or, making or a Or attacking decision. a closeout that's in yeah. a good position to stop you from getting to the rim. Exactly. And, and I tend to, you know, from a basketball philosophy standpoint, fall on his side of that argument. Like, You'd be if 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 I were coaching, you'd be hard pressed to find a shot that I, like I would get mad at, right? Like you want guys to shoot, you want them to have the confidence to shoot. If they're open, you want them to shoot. Um, now, if if there's 27 seconds on the shot clock and they're like tossing up a, a turnaround long two, okay, maybe not. But he's also drilled it into these guys that that's not the shots they take. Uh, and the guy that takes those shots, Jalen Pickett, makes them at a pretty high clip. You know, and and it can be a semi-efficient shot, even though it's not a wholly efficient shot. He uh, wants the clock to be running off. He he prefers shooting with one second yeah. left on the shot clock. I am convinced of it. Uh, but yeah, no, I think the the athleticism will help. The ball handling will help. The the sort of I don't know that they're ever going to play that fast, but they might be able to play a little faster than they do this year. Would where right now they play at a snail's pace. You know, they're they're actively trying to shoot with less than like eight seconds on the shot clock. It it, it seems from the outside. So. Yeah, I, I think the, that recruiting class is going to do a lot for this program, and I think you can sort of see how those guys are going to be used based on how the current group is used. And and Brown in particular is the first guy, you know, and, and there are only really two primary ball handlers on the team right now, and Sessoms and Pickett. Brown is a better shooter than both those guys, and he's just as adept as a ball handler and getting into, into, the, uh, into the paint and finishing around the rim. So he'll be the first guy I think that we see that can – like both of those guys can score at all three levels and pass once they, they penetrate. He'll be the first high level guy we see that can do it, uh, you know, in, in the sort of Shrewsbury era.
exciting stuff to look forward to. Let's move over and chat a little bit about Penn State Wrestling. Of course, they had their last regular season duel against Ryder, winning that undefeated in the regular season, which is incredible. Yep. And it seemed, it's funny. You're right. It is incredible. And, and under this regime, it also seems like the norm. Yeah. You know, it's it's incredible. It also doesn't seem that incredible, you know, because they just do it so often. Yeah. It's it's one of those things where you are so it's it's like the I call it like the Alabama syndrome. Yes. Where like you are so good and you expect to be that good. That if you when, have that one loss, it's yeah. Fans are infuriated. Right. What happened? Or is this a down year? You yeah. Know? So. Uh, yeah, obviously, let's let's talk a little bit about that rider duel. I think specifically something that we should probably talk about is Brady Berge uh, at 157. Uh, Just take us into that. Yeah, so first off, they crushed Ryder. I don't think they... Yeah. They, they, they won all 10 matches. Uh, but Berge, I think, is really the, the main or only takeaway. Aaron Brooks didn't wrestle 184, um, but, uh, you know, the, I don't think that's a major concern. Um, but the, the Berge aspect of it... Seemed to be maybe not a long time coming, but since we were at the uh, the duel at the Bryce Jordan Center, the Ohio State duel, Kale said that he was working on. I can't remember the exact phrase he used. I want to say he said something along the. He's working on his either his conditioning or his weight, and he was asked then like, "Oh, it, his weight is in like making sure he can comfortably comfortably stay at one sixty five, or make, you're trying to get down to one fifty seven." And he said. Well, the both, if that makes sense, probably doesn't though. And like, it was, it's like, <laughs> it's a Kaleism. Yeah. Right. And, and so it, I, I mean, it may not have been clear then, but I think it was a hint that like he was moving down to 157. Uh, he wrestled in two bouts, uh, at Ryder. He had the extra duel or the extra match after, uh, the sort of actual duel itself as he tries to rack up matches to qualify for NCAAs. Um, I don't, I, I mean, he looked better at 157 than he did at 165. It doesn't seem like he's much smaller. Like, I don't know that he had much of a hard time getting down 157. And I think it could make a difference in the postseason, right? Because Penn State, like, 157 was going to be tough. It was going to be uh, probably Terrell Bearclaw, who was not doing great. Now it's Creighton Edsel at 165, which gives you a little bit more upside, not a ton, but it's probably, like, not a major factor either way at Big Tens and not a factor at all at NCAAs. But still you're probably getting more from Berge at 157 than 165. So maybe the floor is a little lower and there's a little more risk that he doesn't qualify for NCAs because of the seating uh, and everything. And, and we don't have to go too deep into that, but there, there is more upside that if he does make it into NCAs that he can be an all American, that he can place higher than he would have at 165, get the team more team points, get the team more bonus points, you know, as they clearly, as they always do, want to win a national title and have a strong chance to win a national title. But I do think that move indicates that what what we've probably known all year and that they are not like the clear favorites like they have been at times in the past. It's going to be a battle to win uh, the, the team national title this year. Um, and, and I think, you know, any any move you can make to maximize your team points is helpful. And I think Bergie at the end of the day, moving them to 157 maximizes the team points. And that's going to be helpful once they reach NCAAs. It was also senior day. Um, I don't know if you have anything to touch on about that for any specific wrestlers or anything like that. But no, I, I you know it, it it's weird like when senior day is like this, like in high school. So high school's always wanted to be like the walkover game. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like your or, or homecoming is the game that you're for sure going to win. And like in wrestling, like there is no more sure thing on Penn State's schedule than that they were going to smash Ryder. And that's not a knock on Ryder. They're just not at the level of program that Penn State is. Um, but yeah, I think like. Nick Lee is going to be a guy that is missed when he moves on from Penn State. You know what I mean? Like there are going to be guys, there are going to be seniors and older guys in this group that 
you were going to miss. I, I don't believe we have finality on what Roman Bravo Young's decision is going to be. Uh, Drew Hildebrandt's out of eligibility, though, after this year. Uh, Bergie's out of eligibility after this year. So, like, there's a, you know, there were some I hate you, sort of, like, the mercenary type, like, guy that comes in for the one year, fills the spot in the line. Like, Hildebrandt and Bergie did that and are doing that. And then there are the the sort of culture guys, right? Like the Lees, the Bravo Youngs, that in Bravo Youngs case could be done. Could he has another year of eligibility though? I don't believe he's announced that decision. Like I said, but you know this is the the train rolls on though, right? Like this is this is not a program that's like oh no, what are we gonna do? Like they're usually set. Uh, Thirty three will be interesting next year, but I do think like they have a ready made replacement and for Nick Lee and and Bo Bartlett if they want, who probably should be wrestling at one forty one, but is wrestling at 149 to not displace Nick Lee and not force him to go to 149. So they have a ready-made replacement there. If they want it, they have a ton of recruits in the room, not recruits in the room, guys in the room uh, on the roster that, that are capable of filling those spots, uh, you know, that, that will vacate next year. And even guys that will fill some of the spots that were, you know, holes this year at 65, for instance. Uh, but yeah, I think, you know, this is, this is the funny thing about, like I talk a lot about hair and what it means. Nick Lee means a lot to Penn State wrestling too. You just know exactly how he's getting replaced, right? With a guy who's probably, you know, no matter who it is, with a guy who's going to be an All-American at some point in his career in all likelihood. It, it's it's always astonishing how much of like, I, I say the train rolls on. It really does. Like they, No, it's an, like I said, it's the Alabama analogy. You know, you replace someone, there there's four strings behind you that, yeah. are, that are just as good or ready to be, tr- you know, get their shot to be just as good. Yeah, and, and a lot of them have the talent to be in the way Penn State wrestles. It allows them to be, which I think is also important. Um, but, yeah, they're, you know, done with the regular season, like you said, rolling on to the Big Ten Championships, which I believe are not this weekend but next weekend. Uh, next week we will have a, a preview of that, which, you know, we'll do a little deep dive with uh, myself and Nate Cobbler, who covers Penn State wrestling for us. We'll have a, uh, a sort of preview of the Big Ten tournament or the Big Ten wrestling championships themselves, you know, projecting where each guy will finish. But, should be a good time. You know, I, you know, I didn't, so I grew up around wrestling a lot and like you really learn to enjoy the sport, uh, especially when you're, you're covering a program and around a program like this one where it's like, man, they're just that good. Like you, you, the success is, is really admirable from any standpoint. And like, it's really hard to be that good for that long and, and credit to the, you know, Penn state for, for getting a head coach and Kale Sanderson credit to Kale Sanderson for putting together something that is legitimately unstoppable at this point. Super great stuff. And again, make sure that you subscribe to this podcast on whatever platform that you like to listen to us on so you can get all of that Big Ten analysis. Next week, we're going to wrap up here. John, where can people find you online? You can always find me at John Sauber on Twitter, J-O-N-S-A-U-B-E-R. You can read uh, everything I write at centerdaily.com, C-E-N-T-R-E, spelled like the county, not the noun. Uh, is center or not? Wow, that is not a good question I should be asking as a journalist. Uh, <laughs> as a writer, no less. <laughs> yeah, sometimes you forget parts of speech. Um, you know, you can subscribe to the Center Daily Times at centerdaily.com backslash sports podcast where we have a discounted rate, $30 Magic. for a, yes, a, a, a digital subscription to just sports stories. All of our sports stories on, uh, from the Center Daily Times included in that feed- subscription me and john's sheets budget <laughs> yes which, which is really what is more important and here. honestly is is too high for, it is. for me anyways well but 
you know, can it be too high? I don't think it can. Maybe it's we so need good. a sheet sponsorship. <laughs> sounds sounds like I don't want to plug anyone too much until we're starting to get some of that. I mean, hey, bring in that, bring in those cheddar bites. I mean, the cheddar, yeah, whatever, yeah, you know. Cheddar bites are fine too. You know, lovely, lovely snack. Oh, so shouldn't good. shouldn't be a snack. Not a healthy snack. Oh no, definitely not. Well, I'm Noah Rife. Again, you can follow me on Twitter at Noah Rife, and of course, pick up a copy of the Center Daily Times. You'll probably find one of my photos in there. Super thanks for listening. We will see you all next week. Peace.